Hi everybody, hope you're doing well. So good to be with you again. Well, we've been looking the past few days at the story of Noah. I, uh, I hope that you've been as encouraged as I've been reflecting on, um, on Noah's simple faith and his willingness to walk in obedience to the Lord uh, one step at a time. Today and tomorrow, we'll read the completion of his journey and, um, and begin to identify the fruit of his faith. So uh, let's begin by spending a moment praying and invite the Lord to lead us as we learn from him. Heavenly Father, we again begin our time in your word by acknowledging you as God and acknowledging our reliance on you for understanding. We ask that you would make clear to us what it is that we're supposed to learn from this passage and not just in the sense of growing our knowledge, um, but in the sense of growing our actions, changing our behavior um, to be more obedient to you. Help us to see you as you are and to walk with you more faithfully. And uh, we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. So today's a relatively short passage. We're going to be reading from Genesis chapter 8, verses 13 to 22. By the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, the water had dried up from the earth. Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. Then God said to Noah, come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. So Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his son's wives, all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on land came out of the ark one after another. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking all, some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. I can remember a particularly long trip to the beach for family vacation when I was in high school. Uh, it was, I don't know exactly, maybe a six or eight hour drive, um, but it was made even longer because we had to drive through heavy rain a couple different times throughout the trip. It might have been 10 hours or more by the time we got there. And it was such a relief when we finally arrived that night. Uh, we all tumbled out of the van and stretched and breathed in the fresh air and then ran in uh, to explore the beach house. It must have been an unbelievable feeling for Noah and his family to exit the ark and walk on the ground, to, to feel the wind on their faces and breathe in the cool, clean air that comes after a storm. How, how great must it have felt uh, to once again be free to move around in wide open space? I find Noah's actions in verse 20 uh, particularly interesting. The text tells us that after all that God had called him to and all that he had been through, Noah worshiped. 
To, to me, worship has two levels. Uh, on one level, worship is internal. Uh, I believe it's a state of our hearts. Now, in our context today, uh, that word heart is so often understood only on emotional terms. But in the ancient world and throughout the Bible, heart is understood as the, the seat or the center of the personality. It's a, it's a sort of foundation to who we are. So, so what I'm saying is that on one level, worship is what or who your life is oriented around. It's what you give your emotions to, uh, what you have affection for, what impacts your decisions, how you invest your time, money, and abilities. And if that is true, then everybody worships. Everyone is worshiping something. It could be a person or a group of people, a significant other or a spouse. It, it could be money, profitability, or material things. This might sound crass, of course, uh, but we can look around our culture and even in our neighborhoods and maybe even in our families and see plenty of people living for wealth, which is measured in money, being profitable, and having stuff. Some people worship their craft, right? Whether that be a traditional nine to five or maybe art, um, music, uh, a sport maybe. Modern people like us, uh, we look back with disgust on pagan cultures throughout history who have practiced human sacrifice. How brutal and animalistic we say. But how many of us know people who give up time with their spouse or their kids day after day in favor of their career? They, they put in extra long hours or make, uh, take on a, an unnecessary travel schedule that keeps them from home for long periods of time. Now, now there are special circumstances, of course, where this is necessary, but we become so accustomed to seeing that lifestyle that we hardly think about the implications. But haven't those families, those humans, been put on the altar and sacrificed to the God of work? The list goes on and on, but that's really not the point here. The point is that everyone worships. Everyone has something on which their life is built and something around which their life centers. I wonder if we took time to be honest about it, what do we worship? The other level of worship is external. It's what most people think of when they hear the word, right? It's the religious acts that are designed to express the condition of our heart. In church world, people worship God by giving him uh, a portion of their money or praising him through songs and words of thanksgiving or confessing their sin and recommitting themselves to him. In secular world, people worship by giving their devotion to whatever has taken God's place by giving a, a lover control of their decisions and resources, by giving all of their spare time and money to a hobby or maybe to a sports team, by giving uh, all of their attention to an employer, an organization, uh, or an initiative that they believe in. God was the center of Noah's world and the object of Noah's worship. I, I think Noah was overcome with emotion in this moment. I think he fell to his knees and opened his arms and put his head up to the sky. He felt the sun shining down on him, the face of his God beaming on this new world. At once, it was as if uh, he was hit with all that he had been through and, and felt the, 
felt the smallest and yet the most love that he had ever felt in his life. God had chosen him, had saved him, sustained him, and now had delivered him through this impossible journey. And he hadn't done it because Noah deserved it, but simply because he loved him. Noah knew that he and his family were God's special possession. So he worshiped. He, he responded to all that God had done with praise and adoration and sacrifice. He worked to build an altar and to give God the best of what he had. I once heard a preacher say, we blame God for all of the dysfunction in this world. We ask, where is he when things go wrong? But what about when things go right? Are we as quick to give him credit for all the good? Worship is essential to our existence, and, and it's one of the best ways to grow our relationship with God. It ensures that we live with proper perspective, understanding uh, both how infinitely beyond us God is and how infinitely loved we still are. And worship pleases God. The, the aroma of Noah's offering rose up to the heaven and God was moved. The same happens with us. Now, we don't have to cook meat on an open flame, but we can pray on our knees, sing him a hymn, uh, write an extra check to a mission or a ministry serving the least and the last. It all pleases him, and it brings us closer to him. Uh, let's take time to worship God today. Uh, let's consider all the ways in which he has provided for us, sustained us, guided us, and of course, loved us. Uh, let's praise him for his goodness and let's give ourselves uh, fully to him, not to earn his love, but in response to his love. Love that was, of course, expressed mo most fully in the Lord Jesus, who took our place to be swept away and drowned in the flood of God's wrath while we took his place on the boat and were free to live. God, we thank you for your unending goodness for your mercy and for your love. We praise you and honor you and lift you high. Accept our worship, God, because it's what you deserve. And help us to uh, orient our lives around you, not only today, but every day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.